The Forum at 8 with Polani Gwala. 10 minutes after 8. Welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, the, the South African Poultry Association insists that its request for safeguards against cheap frozen chicken meat imports will not raise prices beyond 10% and 15% from current prices. They are denying claims of increases of up to 50%. We spoke a little bit about this matter yesterday. Uh, it actually went before the International Trade Administration Commission of South Africa, uh, where this matter was discussed. And uh, again, let me welcome some, my guests to talk about it this morning. Uh, let me start with uh, David Walpert, Chief Executive Officer of the Association of Meat Importers and Exporters, Amy. A very good morning to you, David. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me on your program. Much and uh, a very good morning to all your listeners. And thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Also, Kevin Lovell, Chief Executive Officer of the South African Poultry Association. Kevin, good morning again. Thank you. Good morning, and as with David, um, welcome to all your listeners, and thanks for having us on the show. Thank you. I've also got uh, J.B. Cronier. He's a researcher at Trade Law Center. A very good morning to you, J.B. Good morning, and good morning to the listeners. Thank you. JB is going to be with us for about uh, the next 20 minutes or so. So I'm going to start with you. Um, and perhaps I should start with reading an SMS, because a couple of SMSs already have been coming through here. Uh, let me look at this one. It says, the issue of poultry prices is real. It's a challenge to farmers. You are expected to pay employees decent living wage, electricity prices, feeds price and ever-increasing petrol price. The country needs to decide whether they offer cheap chickens from overseas, leading to massive unemployment like the textile industry. As farmers, we need help, like those countries who are helping their farmers so that they can do mass production and dump on our doorsteps. If we produce here at home, we can create decent, sustainable jobs, less dependency on state for social benefits. Our government knows the solution to the problem. JP, do you think this farmer here is Correct? Well, I, must, I, I think I must start by saying that this is not a, a straightforward matter. And the, the chicken producers have a price for tariff increases, but it, it is not a given that they will receive those increases that they've asked for because customs duty amendments are made um, within a legal and policy framework which consists basically of three components. First of all, we have the national legislation, which provides a legal basis for undertaking investigations mm-hmm. and making recommendations regarding customs duty amendments to the minister, minister of Davies. Mm-hmm. Secondly, of course, um, uh, tariff increases are made within a policy framework. South Africa has adopted a strategic approach to, to tariff setting in which um, tariff de- de- determinations are decided on a, on a case-by-case basis, dictated by the needs and constraints of, of each sector. Now, the rationale for this strategic approach to uh, setting is supposedly to support, as, as uh, the farmer said, to support industrial development, employment, mm-hmm. investment, and, of course, food security. Yeah. And then the third, of, uh, the third component is, is the international trade agreements. Um, to which South Africa is a party, and that includes the World Trade Organization, the European Union, um, SADC, and, of course, SACU. And it is important that customs duty amendments are in compliance with these international agreements signed by South Africa. Now, these agreements limit the policy space that government has with regard to, to duty amendments, and care should be taken that 
the, the World Trade Organization ceiling rates are not exceeded. Yeah. The, the WTO uh, rates act then basically as a ceiling beyond which customs duty increases cannot go. Now, in this case, the, the producers requested a tariff increase from the existing 27% to the WTO ceiling rate of 82%. Yeah. And um, in, 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 in the, the, the International Trade Administration Commission must now decide uh, or find a balance between addressing the supply side constraints and competition issues and the effects of higher duties and the impact on food prices, especially for the poor. Now, a number of criteria must be considered by the Commission, which includes the domestic industry production capacity and potential, employment, investment, price differences between the domestic uh, product and the imported product, uh, demand and supply conditions, and the financial state of the domestic industry, including the profitability and return on this investment ratios. So this is the, and after the, the, the commission has completed its, its uh, investigation, it must submit a, a recommendation to the minister and the minister must then decide sure. to accept the tariff increase or to reject it. All right. Use, very useful background. But for us then as consumers, the, a couple of things that obviously would affect us. It will be the price. Uh, to what extent will that change the price? Clearly issues of jobs are quite important as well. And the issues that have come through here are issues of quality. Give me your thoughts on those three issues before I move to my other guests. Well, I think your, your other guests are maybe in a better position to, to inform the listeners what the... the, the, the impact on price increases will be because I don't have mm. uh, the production data and, and production costs at, at hand. So maybe you, you can all right, the, the price issue. Yeah. The pri- but uh, all right, maybe before I move to them again, because another issue, and I've, I've uh, read your, your, your writings on this issue, you, you, you contextualize it in terms of what happens globally. And there's, uh, for instance, a sentence in one of your articles where you say, uh, a real prospect exists that agricultural products from the EU may in future be targeted for the application of agricultural safeguard measures. Are you implying that this is a protectionist measure? Well, South Africa has a, has a free trade agreement with the EU. Now, in terms of that agreement, um, duties cannot be raised or imposed on chicken imports from originating or imported uh, from the EU. So, say, for example, if the minister decides to increase the tariffs as requested, those tariff increases cannot be applied on imports from the EU. What, what then can happen is if, if uh, there are other measures um, government can take, for example, then um, safeguard measures that can be imposed on agricultural imports from the EU. All right. The, the real uh, possibility then exists that this will happen because the, uh, the um, International Trade Commission recently published guidelines for agricultural safeguard actions hmm. in terms of the of South Africa's agreement with okay. the EU. So 
All right, let me bring in Kevin here, because Kevin, the, the accusation has been that part of the reason why you have applied for these uh, tariff measures is simply because the industry locally is uncompetitive. It is, it is unable to, to compete with uh, the international uh, industry, and, and that's what you need to be doing. You need to be working on your competitiveness. Uh, don't, don't ask for protection from government. Well, there are two kinds of ways of measuring your competitiveness. The one is technically, and the other one is financially. And the key here is that, that we can show technically, we do these analysis comparisons fairly often, that the last time we did it, we actually were better than the USA and slightly worse than Brazil. And the, the rankings will change each time you do it. But when it comes to converting feed into food, we're in the top tier of the world. When it comes to the cost of converting feed into food, we're not in the top tier. And the primary reason for that is that the price of maize and soya is set in South Africa on an import parity pricing model. So we as poultry farmers pay more for maize and more for soya or soya oil cake than farmers that we compete against. The, the, the amount varies, but the other thing to take into account is South Africa makes up 2%, slightly less actually, of global poultry production. These big gorillas that are exporting to us, uh, they have. They will always have economies of scale that we simply can't. A, they have bigger national populations, and B, they ha um, have huge export industries for different reasons. So we can't compete on on, an, on a like for like basis. That's if it was like for like. But nearly all of the trade that comes to South Africa is not like for like. It is the prices are distorted. They're either dumped or they're actually subsidized in various other indirect ways. Most uh, we, The numbers get thrown around, but there was 404,000 tons of poultry imported last year. Of that, about 370,000 tons is chicken, mm. and of that, about 130,000 tons is of chicken paste called MDM, which is essentially a waste product. So of the roughly 240,000 tons left, mm. about 200,000 tons of that roughly is also undesirable product. It's either offal, carcasses, or leg quarters. And it's all highly edible and it's safe to eat. There's no problem with that. The, the, the issues that the Europeans, the Americans in particular, and also the Brazilians because they're market followers, only want to eat the breasts. So what, all chickens have legs. So we're not dealing with a fair playing tra trading field. Okay. Uh, no, no, That's no, no. where the numbers come from. I mean, all right. So, so David, so David, basically, we're good for, I think the message I'd like to get across, we mm. are very good farmers. We just don't have the pricing structures for reasons of structure, that's maize prices, and for reasons of distorted agricultural markets um, that would enable us to okay. compete. David, I'm going to bring you in on that one because it's quite interesting you say that. Um, I spoke to the Brazilian ambassador some months ago about exactly this issue when the Brazilians were taking the South Africans to the WTO, and he said... His answer was that the Brazilians have been smart about this. It's about the integration of the entire food chain, starting from the small farmer uh, to um, the guy, then the poultry farmer and so on. It's all integrated and that makes it then um, cost-effective and that's why they are able to do the kind of things that they are doing. Again, your, 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 your question is there, Kevin. Well, the, the point is that, that um, there was a study done by the U United States International Trade Commission was published last year, and most of the data is from 2011. And what they showed actually was that Brazil was um, slightly more, uh, slightly cheaper at, t at turning feed into food than South Africa. But the difference between, if you on the fair pricing model, 
um, between, say, Brazil and South Africa is only about 20-25%, which you can actually attribute directly to the feed costs. In other words, yes, they, they have, might have cheaper electricity and we might have cheaper something else. But we've also integrated our small farmers, what we call small farmers, what they call small farmers aren't quite the same, and their small farmer model of integration has also morphed or changed, and they're becoming more and more like the American model and, to, and the European mm. model in terms of scale. But they did go through that process. We need to actually bring more smaller farmers into the, the, the production system in South Africa, and when we do that, our costs will actually go up because these people also will have problems with economies of scale. But we have to do that. We have no choice. <laughs> David, just come in then, um, particularly on the issue of competitiveness, do you think that, that that could be one of the issues that we should be discussing as opposed to talking about raising the tariffs? Um, if, if you will indulge me for, for a minute or two, yeah, no both JB and Kevin have raised many, many points, and I would like the opportunity to, to respond. respond to most of them Please. if I can. First of all, there's no cheap chickens that are being imported into South Africa. That's a buzzword that's been put out by SARPA and reinforced by them in the media for some months now. There's a- adequate proof that the, that the chickens that are coming in from overseas are of uh, higher price and higher quality than South African chickens. Uh, and, and we all know the formula that price times quality equals value, and the consumer recognizes that value, and that's why he's buying it. As far as Brazil is concerned, yes, they have a very, very um, efficient poultry, poultry system, and they're also not, subsid- not subsidized whatsoever by government. Um, as far as the, the point of, of farmers struggling is concerned, we are very concerned about that. We are patri- patriotic South Africans, and we really don't want to see South African farmers suffering under any circumstances. But the problem is imports are being blamed. Imports are, we are not an import-dominant dominant, uh, industry. Uh, imports represent about 10% of total production, and about, at the moment about 12% of total consumption, chicken consumption in, the, in this country. The problems are, are really very, very simple. There's two major issues here, and we should not skirt them. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, consumers are facing, facing huge chicken price increases um, that will devastate them, and they will devastate the poor. That's a very important point, David. Or if you accept SARFA's figure, and I need to say it's 20%, not 15 Kevin went up to 20% on national TV. Uh, that is four or five times the current inflation rate. And the second issue is, is the issue of quality, which you alluded to. And we should, should not lose sight of that. The, the, uh, mostly, the, the main reason for the inefficiency of the South African chicken producers, and I'm not talking about the farmers, I agree with Kevin, I think they're very efficient. The main reason is a massive brine injection by local industry, where more than 40% of most frozen packs is salt water. Uh, this is, to us, a major uh, issue of integrity and morals, and quite frankly, we, 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 it leaves a, fa- a foul taste in our mouth, and we think that the industry should be ashamed of it. All right, but let me go back to the issue of, of price, because I would like to know, again, from you, David, whether there's a scientific way of, of calculating what the price uh, difference will be. Yes, there is. Uh, we've done extensive exercises showing the FOB price, adding all the, the on-cost to arrive at the final del- deliver- delivered cost to South Africa. Then we've added storage and delivery costs to uh, the wholesalers, the wholesalers' profit, which is very small. 
uh, delivery costs to the retailers, unpacking charges, and the retailers' uh, markup, which also is relatively small. Uh, if you add all that together, and if the uh, uh, proposed increased duties are, uh, if those rates are used, the, the increases in uh, imported chicken will be somewhere between 30 and 50 percent of the till. This has been scientifically done. It's not a confidential figure. We're prepared to share it with our friends at SARPA or with our friends in the media. And now, the, the, we, I could maybe just respond. Yes, there. please, Kevin, because I want yeah, the prices. Because you must understand this clearly now, hopefully, as, as listeners. Mm -hmm. it's currently, these leg quarters, the leg quarters, there are about 240,000 tons of product that are in this current review. Of those, 160,000 tons. Mm -hmm. Our leg quarters. Now, there was one, what I'm going to talk about now is the main product. Those are retailing at the moment for between 28 and 30 rand a kilogram. Yeah. The additional tariff that we've asked for is around about 4 rand over the existing tariff. That will increase the price at 30 rand by 12 percent, at 28 rand by 13 percent. Those are the actual percentages. And let's say if no one else makes more margin along the stream, you add 4 rand to 30 or 4 rand to 28, do the, you can do the arithmetic. It's very clear. The 20% that was referred to that I, I stated in cart plant relates to whole birds. Whole birds are dumped here. From that same USA um, International Trade Commission report I referred to, the, the average cost of producing live meat in both Brazil and the USA was between $1 and $1.10 a kilogram. You turn that, and by the time you've slaughtered that, it means a whole bird's about 12, 13 rand a kilogram to produce. They're being sold here at 6 rand. Oh, they arrive here around about 6 rand. They're dumped. The, the, the tariff space that JB referred to it is a maximum of 82%. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't give you enough space to deal with the dumping, and that's where there would be up to a 20% increase. Okay. None of David's figures actually bear the counting if you, you, they, other people aren't going to suddenly make more margins. And I'm not saying his members necessarily, anyone else in the import distribution chain. Okay. All right, what I'll do is I'll take a break, uh, but also the lines are open now. Let's find out uh, what South Africans think about this. 891 104208, 891 104208. Um, and I'll be taking SMSs as well at 34701. Remember to catch SABC 2's daytime primetime shows this afternoon. We start the day with Relate at 12 p.m., where we find ways of mending broken bonds. Next is Days of Our Lives at 1 p.m. The Forrester family rules from their stylish mansion in Beverly Hills on the Bold and the Beautiful at 2 p.m. Catch the community of Hillside on the repeat of Siemendelan at 2.30 p.m. Lies That Bind brings along the drama and intrigue of a Kenyan family at 3 p.m. In the repeat of Mubangu, enjoy the cultural conflicts that take place at 3.30 p.m. Only on SABC2. In 2004, Dimension Data partnered with a single BEE IT company. Since then, we've taken a more proactive role in the meaningful transformation of our industry. Today, we're backing 120 small black-owned IT companies, providing training and business development advice. We also procure their services. In the last eight years, we've changed the lives of over 80,000 South Africans. Get our whole transformation story at dimensiondata.com forward slash ZA. Dimension Data. Accelerate your ambition. Here's to the students who stood up to the might of an unjust system. The students who put aside their fear to march for the right to better education. Here's to the young men and women who fought and died for our freedom. 
Here's to millions of young South Africans who battle new challenges every day, who overcome poverty and unemployment so they can reach their potential. Here's to the youth of South Africa. Here's to the future of South Africa. The SABC proudly salutes our youth this month. For most people, gambling is harmless fun, but for some it can become a problem affecting their family or work life. If you need help with any kind of gambling problem, for yourself, a friend, a parent, or for someone you care for, call the National Responsible Gambling Program Counseling Line on 0800-006-008. That's 0800-006-008. Remember, winners know when to stop. This message is brought to you by the Regulators and Gambling Industry of South Africa. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. Right, let me read one email and uh, take a call before the news headlines. There is uh, an email from M. Schoolman in uh, Port Elizabeth who says, It is mind-boggling that we can import chip chickens, but we cannot produce them ourselves at the same price. What are the constraints the South African poultry farmers come up against that they can't give us the consumers the same deal? Uh, Why must we pay through our noses for a locally produced chicken? Uh, Why can't we produce enough to export and give jobs to people? Have we become too lame and lazy and now rely on imports for most uh, of uh, our everyday things that we use? That's M. Skuman on email from Port Elizabeth. Let me quickly hear from Stuart here in Johannesburg. Good morning, Stuart. Good morning, Zolani. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much. Thank you for the show. I just want to uh, thank Mr. Walpert for bringing the issue of the locally brined chicken out into the open as we've been ripped off, in my opinion, for far too long by the local manufacturers. And we've uh, seen the exposure on carte blanche in the media. And I think he's doing a fantastic job to protect, uh, you know, the poor and, and, and the emerging markets because they're more affected. But from my own point of view, there's a, there's a far better quality coming out of Brazil uh, and it's a lot tastier. And I think it's important. Uh, it's an important point to, to compare the two. And for me, quality and taste uh, before I buy anything local. I will always support the imported chicken wherever I can get it. Okay, Kevin, those are your questions. I'm going to ask Kevin to respond a little later on. But let me quickly squeeze in Eddie before the news headlines. Eddie in Fixburg, hello. Hi. Cool, how are you? I'm very well. Welcome, Eddie. Cool. I want to make a passionate plea. Gentlemen, do not forget that this year we're importing 100 billion rands worth of food in this country. 100 billion rand. We are too lazy and we are too useless. Why are we doing this to ourselves? You've got some of the best dairy farmers, my friends. They are farming in the Ukraine. They're going everywhere. We're getting prizes in Canada. The best uh, uh, farmers, you name it. Our dairy industry is right. We have got a problem, and that is you've got to look after the farmer. The farmer is essential to you people. It's us that built Joburg. It's us that built Fixburg. And when the farmer goes, friend, the hinterland dies, you all die. Eddie and Fixback, thank you very much. I'm going to take the news headlines now. Also go to Rob Byrne for traffic. Come back. Kevin will respond to what Stu was saying, talking about the brine injection, quality, uh, local chicken versus Brazilian chicken, and so on. That coming through a little later on. Your thoughts, by the way, 891 Also, I'll be looking at emails at guala, x at sabc.co.za, and uh, text messages at 34701. Uh, let me remind you, my guests on the program this morning, David Walpert is the Chief Executive Officer of the Association of Meat Importers and Exporters, as well as Mr. Kevin Lovell. He's the Chief Executive Officer of the South African Poultry Association. Your thoughts then on 0891 Before I give Kevin a chance to to respond, let me read some SMSs here. Uh, There's one. 
It says, we should import nothing that we can produce in South Africa. Also, somebody says, there's more than ever the fear now that some of these imported chickens and red meat may not be good for consumption. That's T in KZN. Also, somebody says, I don't understand why do we have to import chickens, uh, which only take about, um, to grow one hand takes less than three months. Uh, I hate washed chickens. That's pure in KZN. Another SMS says, I would have loved for your program to have um, a representation from the consumer point of view because uh, your guests have vested interest in this matter. I suppose that you, you then as the listener, you represent the, the consumer in this regard, and that's why I would like to hear your thoughts on this matter. Uh, other industries are facing the same issues but have adopted. Should consumer choice prevail in competition, says somebody else. My mommy says the farmers must breed chickens for f- with four legs. That's according to Wendy. Um, David is talking nonsense, says another SMS from Jacob. A major poultry producer stated that the lending cost of imported poultry is cheaper than producing locally. That's according to Jacob. Imported meat and dairy produce uh, is negative, vulnerable to dumping. Think of recent uh, non-disclosure of sausage contents. Uh, Don't make South Africans scavengers uh, of overseas rubbish dumps. That's Kubu and Mahikeng, also an SMS. Uh, Kevin, let me start with you. Your responses? The first thing to, I think that all listeners hopefully must um, take in is that a few years ago when people were talking about imported chicken, we always talked about Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. Now, in the total poultry imports, Brazil is still the majority supplier, slightly more than half. But in terms of the products that are in this tariff review, in other words, the ones where South Africans' opinions count, Brazil makes up about 20-odd percent of, of it. About nearly 70% comes from the EU. So the person from Port Elizabeth who was talking about the quality of Brazilian chicken will have to search harder and harder to find this. But we don't, of course, agree with that because, firstly, um, a lot of the imported stuff that comes from Europe is actually brined. It's on, it's on an ad hoc basis. I think listeners should also be aware that there's almost none of this imported chicken that's especially grown and made for South Africa. This is all opportunistic trade. You phone your friend in a harbor or a warehouse somewhere and you ask him what he's got available and it arrives. That's why the imports go up and down and why the sources of the imports also change. Mm. The stuff then has to either get sold loose here or get repacked. If you actually look at the cost of producing live meat in South Africa and you look at the cost of of the imports, the imports are not more expensive. They're cheaper. The fact of the brine product that we sell, the IQF, which is most of the product, it actually reduced the cost of the product per kilogram. And, in fact, we've done this repeatedly, and it's out in the public domain, and you can find it on various websites. You actually get more value for your rand when you buy the diluted product because of a rather strange quirk of retail pricing than you do for the unbrined product, which, by the way, most of the companies have on offer for sale as well, just that nobody wants to eat it. We only brine the product for two, well, for two reasons. The first one is it makes it taste, taste better and has better texture. And the other one is that people want it. You know, I think... Uh, because it's, it's interesting you say people want it because David says it's unethical, it's immoral, and so on. Well, that's quite strange because what um, some of the importers have done in the past, and in fact one of them has made a huge investment, which is temporarily um, only, only actually injecting turkeys rather than chickens, where they actually rework it and they inject themselves. And that particular person also adds a foreign protein, soy, to the chicken. And they disclose this on the pack, so it's not that it's secret. But we don't think uh, people want to actually buy chicken and eat soy. But what, what does Brian do, uh, Kevin? 
what, what Brian does, and please hope listeners don't drive now because you might fall asleep, but it's a technical thing. It's not water. It's moisture. It's a functional solution. If you injected water into the bird, it would have no benefit. What this does is that when, when you freeze something, you break the cell walls, and then when you thaw it or cook it, extra moisture leaks out. And you, this, this changes the pH of the, of the, the, the solution between the cells, and it holds the moisture to a greater or lesser extent in, in there. And in South Africa, 90-odd percent of the sales are frozen. In most other countries in, in the developed world, most about 80 to 90 percent will be fresh. So we, we're trying to make frozen product as convenient was the convenience of frozen with the taste of fresh. This was a technique, by the way, developed to make bacon, for those of you who eat bacon. Mm. It's not a chicken thing. Okay. It's been modified. David, uh, a lot of questions for you, uh, including the fact that some importers also are into brining. Fulani, um, there were two importers that uh, were brining. Uh, one of them withdrew from brining more than six months ago on both moral and commercial grounds. The other one who's not a member of our association, we understand, does brine, and the total value of uh, his product is less than 1% of of imports, and from an association point of view, we are opposed to brining irrespective of the source, and I think it's very important to answer what Kevin said. First of all, 70% of local chicken has more than a, a, a 40% 40% water content. And no, 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 it's not water. Water. Yeah, it's it's not water. If you read the labeling on the packet, it clearly says water. It does not say moisture. <laughs> and one last point. If I went into a steakhouse and ordered a 300-gram uh, rum steak and I was told that I could get it at a cheaper price but 100 gram of the 300 gram would be an, inject- an injection of salt water, I certainly wouldn't buy it. And I think the same unethical practice right. applies to Brian. Let's hear from your customers, gentlemen. Uh, let's go to Jeff in Cape Town. Hello, Jeff. Good morning, Jelani. How are you? I'm very well, Jeff. Welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. Just quickly, I'm reading an article in the Cape Times today which particularly talks about food security, which clearly is an issue going forward. Yeah. Um, South Africa, I think, has been a net importer of food for the last 30 or 40 years. And just to read a little bit of what um, our Minister of Agriculture says here this morning, mm-hmm. it says, high food prices pose a, security, a, a serious threat to food security, both at the household and the national level. The poor are particularly hard hit. The nation was said to be food secure when all its inhabitants had access to nutritious food. Most of South Africa's poorest people spend about 60% of their income on food. So I would like to know what about food security, and I think that a total of 10%, which is uh, what the imports uh, constitute, I think is uh, a a good competitor to the local industry and keeps a... um, and, and keeps uh, a lid on, on price hikes. Okay. Jeff in Cape Town, I thank you. Sydney yeah. is a former chicken farmer. Sydney, good morning. Good morning. Hi, welcome, Sydney. Firstly, I just want to concur with what the previous caller said. I just want to, to set a couple of records straight here. Guys, the injection of chicken is not for any what means to, to add any value to the customer. It is purely done from an economic point of view, and uh, it is all a, a lot of jargon. Let's let's analyze it. If you take a two kilogram of pack of chicken out there, 
and you go and analyze it, you're going to find out that the consumer eventually, when you take out the, the, the moisture that is added, the natural moisture, and the bone content of the chicken, that the consumer ends up with less than one kilogram. So you pay for two kilograms, right, get one kilogram. Mm-hmm. The reason why people is migrating from from local chicken to imported chicken is the reason that they don't get the same quality and they end up with less on their plate. Secondly, we're in a position where we found ourselves with local uh, producers have not diversified enough mm. and they got caught up in a product becoming a commodity product. And that commodity product is now biting them and the reality of that is that they can't get out of this because the buyer in the formal retail change is forcing the pricing on this down and down and not allowing this pricing to go up. Mm. So this is a, a man-made scenario that they find themselves in. Gee, all right, thank you very much uh, for my chicken farmer. Let's go to Bruce in Randburg. Bruce? Yeah, morning, guys. Hi, welcome. Um, I've got a question to the gentleman who's representing the local industry. I'd like to know what the, the average markup is of, of the chickens that are sold. And I'll tell you why. I'm a, I'm a supporter of importing and local produce. If you, if you ban or you prevent importing of chickens, then the local farmers have a monopoly. And um, as far as competitive pricing goes, you know, if, if, if there's less pressure on them to be competitive, you know, what's to stop them from putting a 30, 40, 50% markup? So I, I, I support both industries, but I'd like to know what the average markup is of a chicken that gets sold to the public. All right, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you Bruce. Answer, I think. Okay, let's start at the end. Um, the lo- the, currently, the local margins on chickens are negative, in other words, minus. In good on average, if you take away the feed and the breeding sides of the businesses, normally what they try and achieve is margins of between 5 and 7%. So it's not a high margin um, product that it never has been. The next important thing I'd like to answer is, instead of arguing with David and others about what percentage imports make up, maybe we should just talk about chickens. These 240,000 tons is the equivalent of, that we are in this tariff review, is equivalent of 175 million chickens. That's a lot of chickens. 175 million, million a year. Yes, that's okay. what it means. It's a lot of chickens. And when you talk about food security, food security involves things about our national identity, what's that about the availability, quality, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we we imported last year 3.6 billion rands worth of chicken. That's just under 4% of our total trade deficit. If you want to waste money, import something that you can grow. If you want to come at a parallel, hopefully most of the listeners either drive a motor car or would like to be driving a motor car. Every motor car that you buy in South Africa costs more than that same motor car elsewhere. But we've had a long-term government plan and program to support motor car manufacturing and component manufacturing for motor cars. So we have more than 100 billion going into the economy every year and many, many thousands of jobs because of a process of support. We're small. We're far away from most markets. Don't think that everything that we can do will be as cheap as everywhere else. Is it as good as everywhere else? And that brings me to the last thing I need to answer is that the person in the ex-chicken farmer who spoke about the business model, he's got his wires crossed. Um, Maybe that's why he left the chicken business. Um, We produce what our customers want. That's the retailers. They, They actually then sell what they think their customers, the consumers, want. We make what they want. Like anybody, if you're making goods, you make you, are, you do what the customer wants. This this is not our model. This is the retail model. Chicken is the single biggest part of food retail. Mm. And if there was another model, we'd do that. Now, and by the way, our tariff increases. And this is a very important point. The ones we've requested should not 
change the volume of imports because all we're saying is we want to compete with the importers in the normal way. That means on quality, on on service, yeah. on packaging, on marketing, on all those kind of things. But it can we, affect the volume um, well, because well, somebody may say it's not competitive for me well, to import anymore. Well, if they don't want to compete on normal business terms as importers, in other words, they think, well, if I can't get this at a cheap price, I, therefore, I can't actually play in this game because I'm not as good as, at selling and marketing, packaging, promoting, etc. As, as other people, then I'm going to pull out. But we're not asking to change the volume of imports. We've calculated what's called an unsuppressed price. In other words, we're saying, what would the price be if the imports were not distorting it? The, the guy who was the ex-chicken farmer, I'm afraid I didn't catch your name. Um. Um, uh, I can't remember, yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, so just apologizing for not uh, answering to you by name. Um, spoke about the, the fact that there would be less competition. Well, that's, yeah. so that, that's not true. There's going to be as much competition as there was before because the retail model is quite simple. Have as few suppliers as possible for business simplicity, but enough to play the one off against the other. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change. Right. David, let me bring you in then. Uh, your response is, you know, part of what is coming through, of course, people are saying, why import something that we can produce here at home? Talk to me about that, but also another element that, David, I would like you to address is the issue of jobs. It hasn't come through here. I'm, I'm not hearing people saying, which way will affect jobs? Okay, Gulani. Just a, a couple of responses. First yeah. of all, and I will touch on the points you've asked. Yeah. Kevin mentioned that um, right now most of the producers are working on no margin. If they are working on no margin whatsoever, that is pure proof of the fact that, that they have a very poor and unsustainable business model, and that's purely based on the fact that they are selling massive amount, amount of water in their product. Secondly, uh, and this was your question, Zani, that uh, you spoke about why, why import, why are they import? Yeah. It's simply a factor of supply and demand. If there was no demand for, for imports, there, there would be no chicken imports. Uh, and and that, is, that goes back to what I said earlier. Imports represent value. They are more expensive, but they are of, of a higher quality. Kevin mentioned that the 1.75 or one, yes, I think he said 175 million imported chickens come into South Africa per annum. That should be compared to more than 1 billion chickens that are produced locally. And if you add the water content, that's equivalent to almost 1.5 billion chickens. And if they can't make a profit on that, then that tells you there's something wrong with their business model. There's another issue. We're not exporting. Why? have they not been working on an export drive for years? That suddenly they've woken up to the fact that they need this to assist them, but they're not, they haven't been doing it until now. Uh, then if you look at imports, and they are opposing imports, they import quite a lot of their chicken feed. Uh, for example, soya oil cakes, they import uh, that at a duty rate of 6.6%. If they had made an effort to get that duty reduced to nothing, and they could have done it by a minimum market access permits, which I won't go into at the moment, they would have saved their industry 185 million rand uh, last year, which is equivalent to a 15% price increase, and that's what Kevin says he's actually okay. asking for. All right, Kevin will respond to those points yep. a little yep. later on. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin let, let, let me just let, let, ask the question. Yeah, oh, I'll ask the question, uh, David, about jobs. Okay. Um, if you cl- 
close down, first of all, jobs are, are very important to us, and it's a very, very emotional issue. Mm-hmm. But if you close down imports, it will result in a net job loss of approximately 15,000 people. Now, Kevin has disputed this figure, and I need to repeat my offer to him on national radio that we are prepared to sit down with him and show him the figures. As far as Amy is concerned, there's no such thing as confidential numbers. This issue is far too important. 15,000 um, jobs will go. And it is an established fact. One can read any uh, uh, mainstream economic literature, and you will see that protectionism costs jobs in the wider economy. David, so but, but explain day, to me, how will, how will that happen? How, how are we going to lose these 15,000 jobs? We will lose jobs because prices will go up, and Kevin has conceded that prices will go up, uh, and, and you will have a monopoly industry who could push up prices at will, as one of your callers actually said earlier. It will create more inflation. More inflation is less spending power. Less spending power equals less jobs. Okay, so it will drive some people out of business. It will drive some people and probably some companies out of business. Kevin? Yep, I'm on, on. On the jobs issue? Okay, just quickly, I must um, just pick up on the other two issues that David raised, the exporting. The E.ON Amy stands for exporters. They can export anything they want to from us if they would like to do that. They claim they can't because we don't have the necessary standards. That's not true. The way that animal trade works globally is that you have an equivalent system. So the veterinary authorities of South Africa would agree with the veterinary authorities of um, Germany, for example, that our standards were the same in a formal process and then trade could take place. Even if we did that, Germany would still have to want to buy our stuff, which they don't. But we were more than happy for the export, the AMI, to take any of our product and export it anywhere in the world if they would like to do that. Then the second point that he raised, which is a complete misunderstanding of how trade processes work, is on the soya oil cake. We don't buy um, feed. Um, the feed manufacturers, who, um, who might some of them are actually mostly owned by poultry companies, but they also sell to other animals, uh, animal industries. Um, we have, they actually applied for the soya oil cake tariff, the 6.6%, to be removed a few years ago, and they got precisely the answer that we're now asking sure. from ITAC, which is that, no, we need to support the growth of the industry in South Africa because there's a big scope for growth in this industry. And if we support them for a few more years, we feel that, that the amount of soya production will increase, which it is, by the way, but it's still a good number of years, probably five to ten before yeah. it's going to get there. Now, let's get on to the job. Please. Okay, now this is what it's all about, is that... If you look, those of you who are connected to the web, go onto the iTech website. Look at the brochure they have on tariff, um, on tariff policy. JV Cronier referred to this earlier. It's a developmental tool to improve the South African economy. And to improve the South African economy, we need more jobs. Initially, because we have an educational deficit, prices of living in general in South Africa will go up, and maybe, and hopefully in time, productivity per person will improve. But if we don't get more people into the South African economy, we are not going to create better lives for all. It's just the bottom line. And what David says about the loss of jobs, look, they don't only employ a couple of thousand in total in their whole import industry. He's trying to make out that retail will suddenly shrink. Now, that assumes that people can't buy other protein products, and one of them would be Polonies and Viennas, which is made from the the chicken paste that, that they import. Um, so they could actually get growth in that, or go to other protein sources, soy or various other l- low-cost protein sources. I can't believe that that retail is going to shrink if they can't get, um, if they still don't have the same easy access. Remember, we're not trying to stop access; we're just trying to make access 
equal to our access. All right. So, yeah. honestly, any jobs that they lose, remember, we would have to pick up because if the volume of chicken sales mm-hmm. carry on, these are scope for us. Now, if you're producing chicken, and Sydney, the former chicken farmer, would know this well, most of the jobs are actually in the processing then in the farming phase, and lastly in the sales logistics distribution phase, which is where Amy, uh, Amy fits in. All, All right. the jobs they might lose, we'd pick up and we would add at least three times as many. All right. Let me just quickly take some calls here as we wrap up. Let me start with uh, Martin in Pretoria. Hello, Martin. Hi, Kalani. How are you? I'm very good. Welcome. I'm good. I'm good. This, this, this one is for Kevin. <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't want to talk to... And I don't want to deal with uh, the unscrupulous characters who seem to be lining their pockets. All that I want to know from Kevin is, is South Africa, I, I know that South Africa is one of the most unprotected markets in the world. And I know again that countries such as Kenya, Nigeria, and Swaziland, for example, don't allow imports at all. And worldwide, uh, countries impose massive tariffs to protect their industries. What I want to check with Kevin is ITEC or the government doing anything to protect the industry. Okay. Martin, and if it does, uh-huh. what, has, what has it done so far? All right. Uh, you'll get your answer from Kevin in a second. Rex in Pumalanga. Good morning, Rex. Yes. Uh, your healthiest, safest meat to eat is beef and mutton. So if you're worried about what they're putting into these chickens in Brazil or wherever, it's, it's the most abused meat there is on the market, chicken. So oh, I'd go for beef. You know, if you're worried about it, I'd go for beef and mutton. All right, that's Rex and Pumalanga. Dave in Pretoria. Hello, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Hi. I'd just like to know from Kevin, why is Sapa opposed to chicken and soy, but yet they're not opposed to chicken and water? Dave in Pretoria, thank or you. Chicken, so, and, chicken, chicken and, and carrots. Okay, all right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, one or two emails. Uh, there's Michael Parker who says, Dumping seems to be the main issue here. Does the public really understand this? In the context of the EU wanting to get into the emerging market of sub-Saharan Africa, dumping seems to be the real unethical point. That's Michael Parker on email. Just quickly, another uh, final email. Bongani um, Gandhi. Uh, let the status quo remain. Uh, our local producers should let supply and demand determine the prices. They slowed production and retrenched workers trying to influence pricing upward. The importers took the opportunity now. Our locals uh, go to the government. They have tainted, uh, they've been tainted by internationally increasing unemployment. Yours truly, Bongani Gandhi. Uh, let, let me get responses then. Let me start with you, Kevin. We're wrapping up here. Okay, quickly, and just to answer Martin, we are yeah. one of the most unprotected markets. The European Union, for example, has a tariff on about 12 rand a kilogram, double what we are asking for, and almost five times more than we currently have. The, um, and, and, and Russia has a tariff of 160-odd percent, China 100 percent. So we certainly are very, very unprotected. Then the thing about that, that Dave raids about why we worried about adding soy, well, we not firstly, it's not water, it's moisture, and it just happens like most living things to have water in it. And, in fact, the people who add the soy also add brine, by the way, and one of the, uh, David's members that this thing is about, it's about unfair trade in general, and dumping, unfortunately, is a big part of that, but it's broader than just that. And the last thing, just to say, if you, if you want to eat other meat or other forms of protein, that's always your choice. You know, we're yeah. not forcing anyone to eat anything. The, the, the bottom line is here is, do we want local industry to, to keep 
enough food security for South Africans. Not we don't want to close our markets. That should never be our intention. Yeah. But let's fight a 15 or 11 man team with an 11 man team, not okay. an 11 man team with an 8 man. David, team. your closing remarks for me. My closing remarks uh, really are only two, and those are very, very similar to my opening remarks. There are only two big issues: consumers are facing a huge chicken price increase, irrespective of who you believe on this program. And secondly, there's no such thing as dumping. Dumping. Dumping basically means that, that other countries are selling uh, products to South Africa at lower than the, to South yeah, Africa at lower than their, their home produced prices, and we've All proven the cost time of and time again yeah. that the consumer is paying more for uh, uh, imported product than they are for locally heavily brined product. No, not true, then. All right, no. all right, uh, gentlemen, just, uh, Kevin, just a very quick one. When is the ITEC going to decide on this matter? Well, Amy have decided that they need to help ITEC do its work, so we're going to court next week so they oh, can okay. access and. All right, fine. But we should, we should have an answer around about, I would think, middle August at the latest. All right. Well, clearly, judging by the, the responses that we've received on, on email, SMS, and calls and so on, this issue uh, is, is a very topical and important people for consumers. Uh, I think about an important issue for consumers. So people will be following it and will be following it very closely. I really thank you all for your time this morning. David Walpert, Chief Executive Officer of the Association of Meat Importers and Exporters. Um, and also would like to thank Kevin Lovell, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the South African Poultry Association. A little earlier on, we were joined by J.P. Cronier, who is a researcher at Trade Law Center. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to our program. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 to 9, SAFM, South Africa's News and Information Leader. Thanks to the team of our producers. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It's now 9 o'clock. Cheers from all of us.